Hey, welcome to the Ministry Minds Podcast. The Ministry Minds Podcast is a place where we get to have conversations with our guests on the topics of life, leadership, and ministry. I am your host, Ben White, and I am very thankful that you've decided to join us once again for another episode. Or maybe this is your first episode. If that's the case, then you need to go back and listen to all the other episodes because they are great. <laughs> Take it from me. I was there. Uh, but no, I'm super excited that you're uh, here with us today and um, uh, excited about our guests that we're going to have on and the conversation we're going to have about uh, government and the church. Should the church have a role in government? Uh, should we talk about political things? Uh, that, well, that's what we're going to be talking to our guest uh, talking with our guests about today, and uh, super excited to hear what Tim Schmig has for us. Um, hey, uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, could you do us a huge favor? Jump over onto the podcast. If you're on your podcast app, well, not if you're driving, okay? If you're driving, keep your eyes on the road, but if you're listening to this and you have the ability, flip over to the podcast app, and give us a, a rating and review. That would just be a huge blessing. Uh, I'd really appreciate it, and uh, it would just go a long way in helping other people get connected uh, with these episodes. And um, I don't know. I'd, I'd just be really grateful. So if you could do it, my hat is off to you. I know you can't see it, but I just did a did a did a hand salute uh, <laughs> here at my desk. So, anyways, uh, looking forward to the conversation that we have coming up today with Tim Schmig. So, without further ado. Let's go ahead and jump into our interview. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Ben, it's a privilege to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. It's so great to have uh, Tim on the podcast today. Tim Schmig is currently um, the executive director of um, the Michigan Association of Christian Schools. Tim, what does that all entail, being the associate or the executive director of the Michigan Association of Christian Schools? Well, what it is, is uh, my wife and I have the privilege of taking the day-to-day -day responsibilities of MACS, the Michigan Association of Christian Schools, and making sure that all the moving parts are working in the, in the right order, in the right direction. And those moving parts consist of our educators convention in the fall, uh, the association sports programs, fine arts programs, legislative awareness in Lansing and Washington, just everything that needs to be done to keep an association uh, vibrant and also viable in today's society. So we are blessed to be able to work with some of the nicest, some of the best people, some of the most committed people to Christian education that I know of. So I'm thankful that I get to work with Max. Amen. That's awesome. They think we're huge. Yeah. We're not huge. Yeah. Which is awesome. Right. Which exactly is awesome. Right. So every year you do your, ed or uh, every three years you do your educators convention. Tell us what that's like, because okay. I was at one of those. It was pretty amazing. All right. So every three years we do Great Lakes. And the last uh, 2016, 2019, we were in Kalamazoo. We had 1,100 educators from five different states coming. It was just an amazing time of fellowship and just encouragement. Uh, every year, every uh, third year, we are in Midland, Michigan for the Michigan Association of Christian Schools. And then the off year, we are in uh, Temperance, Michigan, state line Christian school, Lewis Avenue Baptist Church, 
for a Michigan and Ohio convention. Mm. So we, we move it around and we try to be an encouragement wherever we go. Yeah, those uh, conventions are pretty awesome. Uh, for the one that I was at, uh, you just had tons of speakers from all different topics and, and just actually it's kind of like a giant podcast if, you, if we're kind of honest with it. And, and they just had all different experiences and people were able to get there and to glean. And and the, the thing I, I hated, or excuse me, the thing I liked the least about the conference is mm -hmm. that there were so many incredible sessions and you could only be at one at a time. What a pleasant problem to have. <laughs> it that, was. That's our goal. I was always looking at the list and saying, oh my goodness, I want to be at like four of them at the mm -hmm. same time. Time. So it was it was really neat. Um, uh, Tim also uh, goes to the state capitol here in Michigan a lot. And can you tell us what that's all about? Well, the Michigan Association of Christian Schools was birthed uh, truly in an adversarial relationship with our state legislature. There was a time in the mid 1980s where the um, state uh, house and the education committee came up with a resolution, I think, I'm not exactly sure if it actually made it into law, but they wanted to make sure that all of the schools in the state of Michigan, the Michigan Association of Christian Schools were accredited and all of their teachers were certified by the state of Michigan. We said we're not gonna have anything to do with that. We had the largest rally Michigan has ever had on the steps of the Capitol building. Over 10,000 people showed up for that rally wow. to not have the government uh, look over and give uh, assent to what we were doing. And we actually had a court case. Uh, it was called the Sheridan Road Court Case. And that was, went all the way up to the Michigan Supreme Court. And we lost. Hmm. We lost the case. And so they called uh, the president of our association at the time, uh, Paul Vanneman. And they had asked him, they said, you've lost the court case. What are you going to do now? And if anybody ever knew Paul Vanneman's personality, um, he didn't exactly graduate from charm school. Uh, he Not really nuanced. You never had to yeah. wonder what he was thinking. Yeah. And he said, well, we've got 63 schools in 63 cities. We suggest you get sheriffs in front of every single school and start arresting people. We're not going to obey this law. We are going to have school on Monday. And when the state realized that we are serious about religious liberty and not obeying a law that is contrary to God's mandate for us to educate our children according to the dictates of our own conscience, They've left us alone. Mm. So our attitude towards Lansing is we want to make friends in Lansing. We don't want to have another rally on the steps of the Capitol. So my work on Wednesdays when they're in session and we have a full-time legislature, my work is this. On Wednesdays, I go to Lansing. I meet with our elected officials. I pray with them. Um, if there's a bill that's coming up, something that uh, involves the things that I'm interested in, which is number one, Christian education, religious liberty, definition of the family, definition of marriage, and protection of life. If it's anything that's involved with that, I will take time to explain to those on both sides of the aisle where we are coming from on mm. that. So I feel like a lot of my time spent in Lansing is for educational purposes and establishing relationships. Now, it's an ongoing process because in the state of Michigan, we have term limits. So every two years, about a third of the House is turned over. Yeah. Every four years, about half the Senate is turned over. So you're constantly working with new people and making new connections. But it's a great ministry to have. Yeah, yeah. it's an awesome ministry and one that I think, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, hopefully by the grace of God, all states will have a Tim Schmig in their state to be able to go up and to be able to communicate on our behalf you know, for Christians and Christian schools and all those things, you know, where we're at in our heart and, 
you know, the direction for those. And uh, so you do that every Wednesday? Well, we have a full-time legislature, which I'm thankful we don't get all the government we pay for, <laughs> but they meet about 40 weeks out of the year. Okay. And when they're in session, if I'm not in Lansing or have another appointment, Wednesday is, is my day to go to Lansing. There have been days when something has come up, and I've been there three times in one week. Mm. Uh, there was just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was there, and Sue was there with me one day. We were there on a Wednesday and a Thursday for something that came up. So, yes, that's one of my primary responsibilities, so, is meeting with our elected officials in Lansing. It's pretty awesome. I've been with him a couple times and gone to Lansing with him and just joined him as he just uh, made his way around the Capitol building, and he's just poking his head into offices and, and greeting uh, different legislators and praying with them and, and discussing different things. And, and I was like, wow, this guy's the real deal up here. And so <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool and a pretty awesome thing to be, uh, to be able to join you for. Tim also runs... The Stories, Stories and Stones, Stones. Uh, tours through our nation's capital. Tell us a little bit about that. What's that all about? Well, years ago, I would, having been a partially a product of the government educational system and listening to the voices that are out there that say our founding fathers were all atheists, agnostics, mm. and deists, and then I would go to Washington, D.C. for my legislative time, and I would look at a building, and I would see a Bible verse on that building, or I would see a statue of Moses mm. or a statue of... Daniel, and it dawned on me that the buildings are telling a different story than what the secularists are telling us. And so I thought, why don't we just let the buildings speak for themselves? Mm. So my goal is to take folks to Washington, D.C., and to take them to places like Arlington National Cemetery and looking at the tomb of the soldier known to God, where it says, here rests an honored glory, an American soldier known but to God. What atheist would put that yeah. on at Arlington National Cemetery? We're looking at the Washington Monument that on the east side of the primordium at the top of the, of the Washington Monument, it says, Laus Deo, praise be to God. And the east side, meaning the very first rays of sunshine that hit that in the morning, as a nation, we are giving praise to God for what he's done for us up to that point. Going to the Supreme Court building and seeing Moses and seeing Solomon and seeing all the great lawgivers of the past, and looking at the at Union Station where there's three sets of Bible verses there, I want folks to see this because the monuments don't lie. Every single year, about 19 million people go to Washington, D.C. Most of them go to see the monuments. Very few people go to see their politicians. Yeah. Why is that? The monuments aren't going to lie to them. Yeah. So uh, it's, ta it's taking them there. It's taking them to Mount Vernon to see the home of our first president of the United States, and just walking through there and realizing that in almost every single turn of Washington's life, he attributes this victory, this win, this anything to divine providence. And it's there. So Stories and Stones is really taking a look at the monuments, the men, the moments, and the manuscripts of American history at times when we turn to God, when we acknowledge God, when we uh, gave credence to God doing what he has done, and we acknowledged it. Mm. So uh, we have gone to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Boston, uh, Williamsburg, Gettysburg, and Yorktown, I think, mm. on those tours. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I know our church uh, had the opportunity to be a part of uh, this Stories and Stones tour that you do, and uh, my dad just, who's the pastor of our church, uh, my dad just loved it, and it was one of the highlights of his life, and he oh. just, he just, he just, you know, they, every time it comes up, they just talk about it with such fun. Well, praise the Lord, that was an easy tour to do. And what makes a tour, uh, 
exceptionally easy is when you have people that are anticipating it and looking forward to it and they appreciate what you're doing. No, I've given tours where they didn't appreciate what we were doing there. And yeah. so you just say, well, I'll do what I'm going to do, but this is, this is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. If somebody was interested in that and looking into that, do you have a website or, or anything? No, typically the tours that I give are through a local church. Okay. And so if the local church pastor is interested, I also work with a radio station and they would usually contact the local pastor or the radio station and I'll, I will work with them through that. Okay, cool. If somebody wanted to email you, if they're interested in that, what's your email? Timschmig at gmail.com. Oh, that's pretty simple. Pretty wow, simple. you got your name on Gmail. Yeah, you sure. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> I tried Ben White. Yeah, yeah. Not, not happening. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of that, so clearly you can tell from uh, Tim's heart and the things that we've talked about already that Tim has a real passion for, for the church, local church and government. And he's kind of brought all these things together. And we kind of wanted to talk to him today about the church and government. You know, how do, how do those two things play together? How do they, you know, what does that look like? Uh, you know, what, what I think there's been a lot of confusion um, over the years that have happened because of that uh, through the church and government. So we just want to talk a little bit with him today about that and uh, to just get some of his insights. So Tim, let me ask you first, how did you ever get involved in the political realm? Well, it started when I was a senior in high school. We had just graduated from high school. We were heading down to Bob Jones and my girlfriend and I and her mom went to Washington DC because she was going to Washington DC to be Hubert Humphrey's secretary. He was vice president up until 1968, and mm. then he was a senator from Minnesota. And so we went to Washington, D.C., moved her into the Virginia area where she was going to be living, and then we went to the Senate building with her. She gave us a, a one-day pass to take the tour bus all around Washington, D.C., and then a friend of hers was Walter Mondale's secretary, and so we got to go into the White House. We got to see all of that. And I would say at that time, probably a little bit of a spark hmm. started. And I showed an interest in that. And then we went to Bob Jones. We graduated from there, taught in South Carolina, taught in South Bend, and then moved up here to Michigan. And it's when I was working here in Michigan, I worked for a legislative company that would take us to Washington, D.C. And it was there that we started seeing more of the monuments and having an ability just to talk to people about what is the significance of that Bible verse on the monument. Then when I started working with Max in 2000, my responsibility was to go to Washington, D.C., and I would meet other groups from around the country, uh, pastors, Christian school teachers, and that developed into, would you ever take, give a tour? Mm. And so it was nothing I went looking for, nothing I was uh, promoting myself on. It was just it appeared to be a fit. It mm. seems to have worked out, as yeah, they say. Yeah. And whenever you say Max, what are you speaking Michigan about? Michigan Association of Christian Schools. Okay. So from now on, it will be Max. referred to just as Max. Max. Just a Thank you. Nice we won't talk in silos. Yeah. Here. It's Max. <laughs> it's Max. So, um, so that's very cool. Uh, can you look over your life? And I mean, obviously, right now, you're really involved in the political realm and, you know, you actually have in, in the state of Michigan, God's allowed you to have quite a bit of influence. And uh, can you look back over your life and kind of seen how God has worked through you and kind of prepared you for this 
time? Oh, oh, even in at times where it seemed like my life was on a detour or whatever, we think of our life as a straight line trajectory going up, and the Lord gives us uh, opportunities in life where we move side to side. Sometimes it's peaks and valleys. And in everything, no matter what happened, I can look back and say there was a purpose mm. for that happening. Without that happening then, I don't see how I could be where I am today. Mm. Do you got any anything that can, pops into your head that you're like, you know, this happened, I didn't really understand it, and here I am? Oh, absolutely. When I was teaching in the Christian school, um, we were in South Bend, and I got discouraged with teaching. Mm. And I just thought, oh, I can do better than that. So I interviewed with one of my students' parents, got hired, moved up here to Michigan, ended up working for another company that I absolutely loved working for them. And in the back of my mind, every once in a while, the thought would, would cross my mind that maybe I'll be in Christian education or do something like that again. Yeah. But being in the business world, we were making, a, I was a straight commission salesman. Mm. We were making more money than I had ever made. We took great trips. We were able to go on great vacations. I looked forward to going to work every single day. It was just an amazing company to work for. And one of the customers that I had was in Oakland County, out by the Oakland uh, airport there. And as I stopped in to see the business owner, I was explaining to them what our company was accomplishing, the things that we were working on. And all the time that I'm talking to her, I'm holding a pen across the paper and just showing her the things we accomplished. And as I'm talking to her, she's looking more at the pen in my hand, not really looking at what we're accomplishing. And finally she stopped and she took my hand and she said, where did you go to school? I said, I graduated from Bob Jones. And she looked at me and she goes, what are you doing this for? Bob Jones graduates are supposed to be pastors and missionaries. And I thought, oh, I was loving what I was doing up until that point. So I drove home very slowly, didn't get any speeding tickets going home that night, thinking about things. Hmm. And when I got home, I had mentioned it to Sue. And then after that, I started working with um, one of our pastors on Wednesday night. He wouldn't go home from uh, after school and before church. And we just started praying together and seeing what the Lord might have for us. And very soon after we started praying together, this opportunity with Max opened up. Hmm. And so I felt and believe firmly at the time that that was God closing one door and opening another door, mm. but in his time. Yeah. I didn't pursue it. I, I wasn't going after them. They came to me, yeah. and that was the big difference. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm always interested in you know the trajectory that God takes people in their lives and how it's mm -hmm. never, <laughs> it's, it's a zigzag pattern up and down mountains and valleys. Like you said, it's not a straight line. Right. It's, and, and there's so many times where it's like, why am I in this thicket? Like, mm -hmm. God can't possibly want me here. Oh yeah, there's something yeah. on the other side he wanted you to he get He knows where here. we are. He'll find us when he wants that's us. That's exactly right. So that's pretty cool. Let me ask you this. Um, how do you, uh, why do you feel that it's important for Christians to think about getting involved politically? Because I know you're really passionate about Christians being involved in the political realm. Um, you know, so why should we, why is that something we should think about? Well, if you think of the overall culture that, we, that we're in, number one, God created government. The three institutions that he created is, number one, he created the family, marriage, Genesis chapter 2. He created the church, Gen or Acts chapter 2, but then he also created human government. Mm. Now, the sad part about it is we have people that say, I love my family. I would never not be at church when the doors are opened. But government, that's dirty. Mm. I can't get involved in that. 
God created that institution for us. And if you think of where we are in the cultural war right now, we are at almost an even 50-50, 49-51 split on most things culturally at the ballot box. Yeah. But the reality of it is, three-fourths of our people don't show up. If we showed up, I mean, you would be amazed at how many people I talk to who say, well, I don't get involved in politics because it's dirty, and that politicians are all crooked. And I listen to what they say, and very soon in the next breath, they'll say, but let me tell you about my fantasy football league. Yeah. Like, are you serious? I mean, these guys, these professional footballs are role models you can uh, give your time and energy to, mm. and yet... The, I don't know of too many professional football players who are going to raise your taxes or restrict your religious liberty, but that's going to happen if you are not prepared. About 80% of life is just showing up, and the problem is in the political arena, we don't show up. We have a tendency of being reactionary. We, we almost desire something bad to happen, so now we've got you know, a, a cause and something to fight for instead of preemptively being there, showing up and saying, this is bad. Uh, th there is no good thing that can come out of this. We have an obligation to be salt and light. And salt does not do any good when it's in the container. Light doesn't do any good if, you're, if you cover it. So yeah. it's our influence and it's our testimony. It's our reputation in the public arena and doing what we can. I'm not asking for people to devote their life to it, although some good believers have. I have a number of pastors. They can come, to me, come with me to Lansing one day a quarter. I've got one who comes once a month. That is great. You're doing the best that you can, and I appreciate it. I think all of us could do more, but we're, I think we are doing the best we can. Mm. Why do you think uh, Christians or churches or whatever are so reluctant about it? Because you said they're, you know, they're involved in you know, all other types of things, and, you know, and, and you know, we're not against people in being involved with extracurricular activities, but when it comes to politics, it's almost like you know, well, that's not really something we should talk about or, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. why are we reluctant as Christians to get involved politically? Well, I think part of it is uh, some people, and I'll just put it out there, are gun shy of offending somebody. Um, the Bible talks about God's throne being established in righteousness, okay? So there is right and wrong very clearly um, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, our polyumia, our politics, our citizenship is in heaven. So if that verse is what it says it is, it means that God has a political position on issues. He is pro-life. He is pro-capitalist. Micah 4.4, every man will sit under his own vine in his own fig tree. That's capitalism right there. Uh, he respects property and property ownership. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. And so there's clearly right and wrong, but if, we, if someone were to mention that in a Sunday school class or the pulpit, we could lose church members over it. Because we've got good members that, you know, they work in the shop and their steward tells them how they're supposed to vote and really I can't afford to lose that guy or whatever it is. The point is God has already staked a position on this. Let God be true and every man a liar, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this truth, it's because there is no light in them. So our position is take the th emphasize the things that God emphasizes in the public arena and then just, um, I would say, the attitude of we ought to obey God rather than men. Hmm. Acts chapter 5 right there. What do you think are some misconceptions when Christians are thinking about politics? And, and I don't know, um, you know, because you really think through this stuff a lot. But, you know, maybe they say, 
you know, uh, we're really not supposed to do that. Um, you know, I don't know. What, what let do let you... me stop you right there. Why shouldn't we do that? Well, oh, we could lose our tax-exempt status. Mm. Jesus Christ did not die for your tax-exempt status uh, for years. I mean, we, we live in an envelope of religious liberty right now that the rest of the world and history has never known. And so because of that, we just think that there are certain things out there that have been, always will be, world without end, amen. Uh, for 2,000 years, the church existed without a tax-exempt status. So the church just stood out there on its own. Well, if we say that, we could lose our tax-exempt status. Wrong thinking right there. Mm. Um, we ought to obey God rather than men. If I'm going to offend somebody, I am not afraid of offending the culture. I don't want to offend the God of eternity. I, I don't want the world to speak well of me and to be... Uh, Mm, what would we say, not, a, not honored by the Lord for standing for what's right. Mm, mm. Um, what would you say to, uh, you know, churches that, that you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm always just trying to think from everybody's perspective, mm -hmm. but the churches that would say, hey, we're called to share the gospel and lead people to Christ and disciple believers not get involved in politics. Because I know that there are ministry uh, leaders out there, there are churches that, uh, believe firmly, not just that they're not just shy about getting involved in politics, but they believe it's wrong to get for the church to get involved in politics. What would be your, uh, your thoughts on that? All right. This will be almost anecdotal, but it's been pretty proven. Yeah. The churches that I have found that have been most evangelistic are most involved in the political arena as well. Mm. The ones who say our job is to win people to the Lord. Really? When was the last time you did that? I think sometimes that is an escape that's a very easy excuse that nobody asks the follow-up questions. Mm. I don't see any tracks in your pocket. I don't see you out witnessing the people. When was the last time a visitor darkened your door? Yeah. So you're not doing A, so don't use the logical fallacy that because of this, we can't do that. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. I definitely know that there's a, um, that's definitely a current uh, of belief in churches in America. And of course, I'm painting a broad brush, um, but it definitely seems that there's a real um, mindset that churches and really anything political needs to be separated. And um, so I was really interested to get your thoughts on that. Um, has there ever been a time where you've seen your direct involvement? You know, I know you're really passionate about going there to the Capitol here in Michigan. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, I want you to be thinking about your state and, uh, you know, who, who goes there? Who gets involved there? Who's, who's speaking up for religious liberty there? Uh, who's who's uh, representing the, the churches there? Uh, and I, I'm asking you, has there been times where you've seen your direct involvement in, you know, working with uh, our legislators and, and just being a voice for uh, Christianity, a voice for churches, where you've seen that make an impact? Every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. There's two types of appointments that we have when we go to Lansing or to Washington. One is a set appointment, and that is where I'm supposed to meet a representative at 11 o'clock or 1.30 or something. But then there's the divine appointment, and the divine appointment is I meet somebody in the rotunda of the Capitol. I meet somebody on the sidewalk. I see somebody at their office, and I'm able to pray with them and to be an encouragement. Uh, just two weeks ago, we were in Lansing. I was with a pastor. We wanted to see that pastor state representative and he was down in a committee meeting and we went to see the representative and he was very concerned about a bill, concerned to the point of almost being 
visibly upset about it. And so we said, well, let's pray with you about this. Let's pray that this bill will come to naught. Let's pray that uh, God's will would be done in it. So in that committee meeting, the pastor and I and the state representative prayed together. And less than a week later, that bill was shelved. Mm. And so I sent a, an email to the pastor right away, and I said, you need to contact this legislator again and let him know that we prayed for that, and it came to naught. Wow. So I see that all the time on other bills with education. Uh, there was a couple of years ago, quite a few years ago, there was a truancy bill that came up. And the truancy bill was brought up in the education committee. It had three parts to it. Number one, it said any student that's not found in an ISD role would be considered truant. The second part was any student that's considered truant couldn't get a driver's license or a permit with a letter from the then governor saying, if you're not going to school, don't bother showing up at the Secretary of State's office for a license. And then the third part, any parent of a truant student would be considered, um, could be considered for fines and imprisonment. Mm, wow. So I took that to the person that was in charge of that committee and I said, have you read this bill? And he was a little bit taken aback. goes, well, yeah. And I said, let's just go over it together. I said, number one, any student that's not on an ISD, intermediate school district role, will be considered truant. Every homeschooler, every Mac student, every parochial school student, every Lutheran school student, every Seventh-day Adventist school student, every Jewish school student is not on an intermediate school district role. Yeah. So they're all going to be truant. Don't uh, show up at the Secretary of State's office. The second part was, and I said, do you realize that most of the kids in the Christian school the juniors or seniors drive the younger ones to school. The homeschoolers have jobs in the afternoon. You're telling them you can't drive a car. I said, the third part, fines and imprisonment crazy. for not having that? I said, this is your kinder, gentler government. And he said something after I explained that to him. He said something that I had never heard a representative say before or since. He said, I never thought of that. Hmm. And he said, if that's the case, we'll shelve it today. And in the legislature, there's a docket, and he just took the bill and put it in the bottom of the docket so mm. that when they get to it, they'll get to it. So there's, there's times where I think just showing up, uh, trying to be salt and light, trying to be a, a, a positive influence when we can. You know, we're not at that point where we have to have that confrontational, in-your-face yeah. uh, uh, attitude towards the government. That's not our posture. God's given us this, in the book of uh, Esther or Nehemiah, it says we've been given a space of grace. Hmm. And so that's where we are today. Yeah. And so you, you've really seen a lot of impact through building relationships, through, through getting to know people, and you've really been able to influence a lot of people in that way. Is that right? Well, right. Life is relationships. I mean, it is people to people. It's um, establishing relationships and then not using or abusing those relationships, but always keeping those relationships alive. Now, some relationships, you know, they're, they're I imagine it uh, like a campfire. You know, sometimes the relationships are, are hot and glowing and fervent, and other times the coals die down and you just need to stoke them a little bit or add a little bit to it. But yes, I've developed relationships with elected officials and pastors over the years that to this day, mm -hmm. I can still uh, meet some of them, even though they're not in that position anymore. Um, one of them is a mayor of a large city, and whenever I'm in that city and able to stop by his office, he always opens the door for me, even though I haven't called on mm. him for anything for years. Mm. So keep the relationships alive. 
I imagine um, somebody pointed out legislative work is like this. If you could imagine a hallway with 50 doors down that hallway, and today every single one of those doors is open to us, and it's open to me. I don't think I've burned any, any bridges or shut any doors, but the day that you burn that relationship, that door is shut to you. Most of the people I work with in Lansing are not believers, hmm. so they have no doctrine of forgiveness. They don't have to open that door again. Yeah. So I think most of the doors that I, uh, down the hallway that I walk through are opened primarily because of the Michigan Association of Christian Schools. They respect the association and the weight that that association carries with it. Do you think that sometimes, and I, I think we all kind of do this, but we just forget that, you know, uh, the people that are, you know, all the legislators, they're just people. They have problems, they have issues, they have insecurities, and, uh, you know, they're, they're in that place where they're at. But if we just show a little love and grace, and, and I love what you said about just building those relationships with them, how much influence we can have. Well, the book of Proverbs talks about there's two mistakes that we make with our elected officials. Number one is stroking their face, stroking the, the beard of, of the one who's in authority. Uh, giving them too much credit and just you know, fawning over them. Big mistake. Mm. And then the second one is uh, having ourselves become beholden to them. Eat, the book of Proverbs says, eat not their dainty meats. Don't get to the point where you are beholden to them. So realize that by the grace of God, they've been placed where they are. Daniel, Daniel tells us three different times he appointeth whomsoever he will. He raises them up. He sets others down. So they are there by the grace of God, whether they know it or not. And so it's our responsibility. Uh, Romans 13 says that they are ministers of God. So we just go and talk to them as someone who one day will give an account for what they do. Now, how they vote is important, but what, what they do with their eternal soul is even more important. Amen. Amen. Have you been able, have you ever had the opportunity to lead some uh, people to Christ? I've had tremendous opportunities to pray with them and to share my faith with them, and I've had them come back later and say, I'm a believer. Wow. Now, did I take them there? No, I don't think so. But just sowing the gospel in a positive way, being salt and light for them, I think that that, I gotta believe that's had some impact. Amen. Just uh, spreading the seeds of the gospel everywhere you go. You and, have and, to. and we don't know. The yeah, impact we'll never know. that that's going to make. And uh, wow, that's incredible. Let me ask you this. Uh, could churches do a better job at getting involved in their local communities? And I don't even want to narrow it down just, you know, politically, and that's like mayors of towns or whatever. But, but how could churches get involved locally? And I'm thinking like school, you know, with schools or, or uh, whatever. But uh, how could churches do a better job at that? I think a lot of churches don't, don't even know where to begin. Well, I would say, number one, as a pastor, you would want to make sure that the people in your church that are able to exercise their constitutional right of we the people do. So voter registration. Uh, and I would say open voter registration. I don't care you know, if, if they happen to go and vote for the person that their shop steward says they have to vote because in the typical churches that we have, there's going to be 10 people canceling that vote out. Just have voter registration. Uh, just have a political awareness. You would be amazed when I ask people, um, what's the name of your senator? Hmm. What's the name of your state representative? U.S. representative. Yeah. State representative. And crickets. It gets a little quiet sometimes. 
Well, what I would encourage you to do is every Wednesday on your prayer sheet, we've, we're commanded to pray for those that are in authority over us. Mm. Have your elected officials' names on the prayer sheet and then pray for them. And there was one time <clears throat> with one of our senators, when that person was a state representative, their name was on our weekly prayer sheet. So I took the prayer sheet, wrote that person a note, mailed it to them in Washington, D.C. She sent back a very nice handwritten note uh, thanking us for praying for her. And then from that, the next time that I was in Washington, D.C., I was able to meet with her in her office. And during the course of conversation, uh, she was on the Air and Space Committee. And she said, would you ever want an astronaut to come to your Christian schools? I said, yeah, we'd love it. <laughs> and so we had a space shuttle astronaut go to two of our Christian schools and talk to the students. How cool is that? So I would say, um, and it, we weren't looking for it. We didn't ask for it. Uh, she brought it up. But let them know that you're praying for them. When they're back in the district, they're always back in the district. It's powerful. Go and visit them when they're at the coffee shop or wherever they are. If they have office hours at a county courthouse. And then one of the best things you can do is invite them to a public servant Sunday. Give them a certificate. Give them a ceremonial Bible or New Testament. Let them know that you appreciate them, that you recognize them as your state representative or mm. state senator or whatever. And then this is the Tim general rule of thumb. Don't give them the microphone. <laughs> because you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah, we uh, there was a politician and uh, they were in our area. So we asked them to stop by and just, you know, brought them up on stage and thanked them for a couple things. And they took the microphone and just started singing. <laughs> it was uh, like, no, yeah. it was like, I yeah, don't yeah. know what's happening right, right. now. So just a good general rule of thumb you, out you there. You never know what's going to mm -hmm. happen with the politicians. You know, I'm just thinking about this, just getting involved locally with your local government and whatever city or wherever you're at as a church. And I was just listening to a podcast recently, and it was a church out in Las Vegas. And they said that um, they got connected with, um, I think it was the fire department possibly, but they were like, hey, we're doing an event. Can you guys come out and just help pass out water mm -hmm. or something? And they said, we would love to. And they said, we're not going to pass out water. They passed out water. They had things like um, games that kids could play. They ended up giving away some um, like handheld gaming devices mm -hmm. and they just went all in like they spent like a thousand dollars or more on doing this mm -hmm. and through doing that the the fire department and and the people that were involved were just so impressed with what they had done and that they had been you know just come out to do that and went over and above mm -hmm. that they asked them to be part of something else and then something mm -hmm. else and now that church is very involved with that community with the the mayor and the the different um, activities that they do as a city and and that church is always asked to be a part of that and you know um, I knew I was talking with you and then I was listening to that episode and I thought what a great way for churches to get involved with their local communities any life types you can have like that and a general rule of thumb is you don't want the first call to your sheriff or fire department to be when there's a problem yeah I had we were talking about the evangelistic churches that are out there and I had a great experience a couple of uh, months ago. I was at a church, and the pastor was saying that they had had Public Servants Day oh, a month or so earlier, and they had invited the sheriff and the fire department, and they had invited their state rep and every, everyone that was there. And the sheriff came, got a ceremonial Bible. You know, they, they loved on him. They had a potluck dinner after that. 
A week or two later, their kids were in an apartment complex handing out tracts for vacation Bible school mm. or something, and the apartment complex manager called the police on them. So somebody from the group called the pastor to say, hey, they called the cops on us, and so can you come over here? So when the pastor got over there, he was met by the irate apartment manager, and the sheriff showed up and said, Pastor, how are you doing? Wow. And yeah. so the whole thing was diffused yeah. because he already had a relationship with him. Yeah. The apartment manager was not happy, but the pastor had established a relationship to where that situation never amounted to anything mm. because there was a relationship there. Man, that's incredible. So even as you were saying that, I'm thinking, guys, if you're listening to this and, you know, Tim, and you're saying, man, I could never go to our state capitol and do all of that stuff, which you very well may not be able to do. Maybe you can. I don't know where you live. Uh, but if you can't do that at your state capitol, everything Tim's been sharing with us, I feel like we could do that on the local level. Easily. Local level. I mean, going, stopping by your police department, um, telling them, Hey, you know, I brought you guys some, some gifts and can I pray with the, the chief of police and, mm -hmm. and stopping by the mayor's office and saying, Hey, we just, here's some things that we just got you guys some gifts. And we wanted to let you know, we're praying for you. And, and we want you to know if you ever need anything, our church is available and just doing that over and over. I, I wonder how many churches are doing that? Well, I think one of the things that, that we've been turned away in the, in the last century, there was the group great push for the social gospel. So we have reacted against that. Uh, as a matter of fact, a year ago when the winter vortex came through, our church here in Michigan opened up the entire church. We got cots, we got we ordered pizza. If anybody had lost power or just didn't feel safe at home or wanted a place that was warm, we opened it up to the community. And we got thanks from the local authorities. We weren't asking for it, but the evening news showed up to show mm. that um, That's awesome. We are involved in the community because this is where we live. These are the people we're trying to minister to. So, Tim, let me ask you this. What are some pitfalls to Christians getting involved politically in their state? Well, I think we have to be very careful with our reputation. And our reputation in this day and age is primarily associated with what we put out there on social media. Mm. And so we want to be careful if we're on any of these social media formats that we are consistent in our Christian witness. For example, I don't think it's helpful for somebody to be praising Jesus for something one day and then in the next post condemning a politician or condemning a political party uh, carte blanche for whatever it is that they're doing because the posts that are on social media have a life of their own mm. and they don't go away. As a matter of fact, uh, recently I'd gotten uh, an email from a friend who said he was being considered for a leadership position in their church, but the pastor approached him and said, but I'm afraid uh, there's some people who aren't going to vote for you because of what you post on social media. Mm -hmm. So there is a spiritual dimension that's being hindered because of political involvement. So we've got to be careful because I'm, I'm very confident that if you have a public servant's day, that public servant will go to your Facebook page, not only the church Facebook page, but also your personal Facebook page. So just be very conscientious that there are people out there looking at what we were saying on social media and our persona that is on social media. Amen. And, and you're not talking about not taking a stand for clear biblical truth. Oh, oh without a doubt. I mean, what, I'm, what I would say is when something could be construed as 
your opinion. Yes. But if it's a biblical basis, like for example, defending life, Amen. there is, that is black and white. There is no gray area in protecting the most innocent thing God has given us, a newborn baby and a baby in the womb. Um, we, we don't apologize for that. We don't back down from that because that is a life. And uh, one day as a nation, we, give, we will give an account for 65 million innocent babies who have been aborted in the womb. Now, that is not to say we're not compassionate for the woman who has had an abortion. Yeah. We understand that. And we no. understand that sometimes life's choices are difficult. And these choices are not choices that they made themselves, but somebody else forced them into that. We are totally compassionate and understanding. But we are also going to say at the end of the day, that was a life. Yeah. There's no debating that. Yeah. And I think, obviously, by the nature of social media, um, opinion just gets spewed out there left and right. And so just say, hey, you need to understand this is a significant thing. The whole world is seeing what you're saying. And obviously, we don't back down from biblical truth ever, right? Like uh, if somebody like, you know, a pastor. So I'm sure there's a lot of pastors or people that communicate God's word. If the Bible says it, that's, that's what we hold to. But there's a big difference if you're preaching something that the Bible says and you're saying something that's your opinion. That's totally exactly different. Exactly things. right. So be very conscientious of that and uh, be careful because that could affect future ministry mm -hmm. opportunities or even future influence. Let me ask you this. How can people get involved on the state level? Well, one of the things that I would encourage young people to do is to possibly consider and pray about uh, working in a House or Senate staff to get involved there. We have a couple of very good organizations in the state that train young people to go to work in Lansing and then also in Washington, D.C. But in order to go to work there, and I've had people say, I would like to work in Lansing, and I've encouraged them to shadow me for a day, just go with me. And then one question I always ask them is, tell me about your spiritual life. And if there is any hesitancy, any stalling at all, I will let them know that Lansing is not for you because mm. it, we are in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world. And one of their strongholds can be in government. Mm. So if you're not spiritual, if you're not having your daily devotions, if you don't have an effective prayer life, Lansing is not for you. Washington, D.C. is not for you because you will get swallowed up in the culture mm. if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it. But we need to establish and have people in these staffers' office, in the office as staffers, because the reality of it is most of the work done in these political offices are done by the staffers. Hmm. When you establish a relationship with them, that relationship will stick. I think of uh, most recently, one of our state senators was a staffer in the 80s during our court case. Wow. And as soon as I said to him, I'm with the Michigan Association of Christian Schools, he said, oh, I spent hours with Paul Vanneman, the president of Max, uh, when he was a staffer for another senator, and they were working on things. Wow. So I try as best as I can to learn the staffer's name, uh, to not talk or walk past the staffer, because if you do, they don't forget. And you would be amazed with term limits in the state how many times the staffer ends up in the back office, wow. the elected official. Sure, sure. So get involved. And we have had a tendency in the past as parents to say, I'm praying my son or daughter will end up on the mission field, a pastor, a pastor's wife or whatever. And just the thought of them doing something political uh, doesn't really set well with mm. us. And yet we have to be willing to allow them, if the Lord would lead them, to go into that arena 
and to be a testimony, to be, to be a good influence while they're there. Stop and think about this. How many times in the Bible did somebody either have a job within the government, get promoted within the government, or uh, serve within the government, and then later go on to have that story recorded in the Bible? Mm. So God does work through these things. And sometimes, uh, when you think about it, in the, the book of Acts says, and Moses was learned in all the learning of the Egyptians. Yeah. Uh, he learned everything the state had to say, and yet when God said something, the Bible starts out, in the beginning God. Yeah. He took all of the, the ontological knowledge that Egypt had and said, when God speaks, this is what we're going to say. You know, Egypt had a, a doctrine of creation. They also had a doctrine of world existence. They had a belief of world existence that the world rested on the back of turtles. Hmm. And yet when God says, in the beginning God, Moses said, forget the turtle stuff. I'm going to stick with God. Yeah. And, and I would say this, as far as getting involved, one of my favorite stories is David never set out to slay Goliath. He set out to deliver meat and cheese to his brothers. Yeah. And oh, by the way, here's something I need to be doing. Yeah. So be faithful with what you're called to do. And oh, by the way, God's going to open up a bigger door that you may not even be aware of. Amen. You know, as you were speaking, I, nobody can deny, I mean, the impact that Daniel had in the political realm. I mean, he, he was a politician. I mean, mm -hmm. pretty much his whole life. And uh, just, I mean, read the book of Daniel, him and his friends were politicians and look what God was able to do. And, and I think they, they did what you were talking about. They had to stand against, mm -hmm. you know, well, I, the I love influences. the verse that says, and Daniel, when he knew the decree was signed, opened up his windows and prayed as he did aforetime. Amen. He didn't start praying that day. It's just whatever you decree, whatever you're going to decree, it's not going to affect how I live my life. Amen. Um, do you have a really practical suggestion for somebody that says, you know, what, what is that? I, I don't even know the next steps to take for a young person becoming a staffer. Like, I don't even know where to go, what to look like. What, how does that happen? Well, I would say the first thing you would want to find out is, are they even interested in it? And one of the ways that you can do that, take them to the Capitol building. Uh, in the state of Michigan, we have a number of very good uh, believers who are involved and they are more than welcome to shadow uh, somebody who's in the Capitol building, find out what, what they do, how they work. Um, when bills come up, uh, some of the best testimony that I've seen have been high school students testifying before a bill that was before the House. My daughter went to Lansing and testified on a pro-life bill. Wow. And so At what age was uh, that? I think she was a junior in high school. Wow. And she testified before one of the House committees on, on a bill. And then uh, have them shadow the person, meet your elected officials, uh, maybe do an internship. There are great opportunities if somebody's looking for that. So if you have a young person that maybe is interested in something like that, nurture it because we need more Christians in our local and state government. That's right. And, and I would say this, if you're not happy, if we're not happy with the policy that's coming out of Lansing, it's because we have not been involved in policy formatting. Amen. We've got to show up. We have to be there. Man, that's that's just awesome. I mean, I'm I'm inspired right now just talking to you, just thinking about how can we get involved on the local level. And if you want to have an impact in your community, I mean, get involved with the people that are 
running the community mm-hmm. and running those different types of things. And I'm just being honest with you, as you were talking, I'm like, I don't think this is as hard as we would make it seem in our own heads. You know, we, we, I think we might talk ourselves out of it and be like, Oh no, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this. And I, I couldn't do this. And I mean, have we ever tried? Well, and you stop and you think our government is we, the people. So who's the people? And we have it right down to the local level, um, from, from city to township, to county, to state. We have people that we interact with at the, on the government level at all times. Our goal is to have an influence with them, just like we would with anyone else. Right. It's just we have a tendency of thinking all government is bad, all politicians are corrupt, you know, whatever. Whatever the stereotype is out there. Well, let's get involved. Let's, uh, I would like to say my ministry is to Lansing, part of it to Lansing in Washington, D.C. And I remember reading a quote one time where they were talking about a good pastor has the smell of the sheep on him. Mm. A good shepherd has the smell of the sheep on him. He spends time with those he's supposed to spend time with. So about 20% of my time is spent with our elected officials in the hopes, uh, in trusting that one day when religious liberty is being infringed or could be infringed, we already have the relationships there to try to help us. And, and that is not just with our elected officials, but we work with some very good legal teams as well mm. in Lansing, uh, in the surrounding area that have the same heart for religious liberty that we have. I think what you just said there even goes back to that story you told about uh, you know, that bill that was coming up. And it's like, if, if you hadn't had those relationships and you hadn't already built that up and built up that, no pun intended, built up that capital, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you had that influence already and you were able to go there and say, Hey, you know, as a friend, mm-hmm. have you looked at this? And I have some concerns here. And obviously he had that respect and was like, Oh, well, thank you for sharing that with mm-hmm. me. Let me ask you this. If somebody wants to get involved on the local level, and this is what I'm thinking of, cause you do this day in and day out and they want to get, a, you know, their, their sheriff's department, you know, local mayor, wh- whatever. What type of spirit do you prepare and do you go in there with? Well, the first thing you want to do is we want to help you. We want to serve you. Uh, and you would say we're having a public servants Sunday. And we are honoring all of our public servants. And we want as many of you to come as possible. We're going to have dinner on the grounds that day. We're, we'll have a certificate for you. We'll have a Bible for you. Whatever it is that you want to give out for them. Uh, a number of these churches do these commemorative coins that people collect. That's a good thing to give out. And in a very um, just social, non-confrontational arrangement, just invite them. Yeah. And you want them to be familiar with where your church is. Uh, we have some churches that will open up their churches as a voting precinct to, so that people get used to coming to that site mm. for in a non-threatening way. Yeah. So anything that you can do to, to let the sheriff know that, hey, if and when anything happens, uh, we, would, we could be considered like a public school gym, a place where in the state of an emergency, you could bring people, you know, we'll have cots here, we will, we've got a kitchen here, we will do everything we can to make sure that we are serving the community. Hmm. We are not cloistered, you know, we're not Benedictines, we are opened up to, be, to serve this community. How else can we be salt and light? How else can Amen. we be if effective in the community if we don't know the community. Yes, absolutely. Man, that's been a huge heart and passion of, of myself. I I think we as churches, and, and I honestly think most churches have to admit that we have a tendency to be inward focused. 
to be so focused on ourselves and our own needs and all of these things when the church is meant to be salt and light to the community. It's, we're meant to be out there and reaching people with the gospel. And uh, man, you just you got you got my wheels turning in my mind. I'm I'm excited to be uh, to go and kind of uh, flush this out and you know uh, start writing some stuff down and just thinking. So so let me ask you: If you're listening to this, how can you get involved in your community? What what could you do? Um, you know, uh, is that giving? You know, just stopping by, asking them if you could pray for them. Is that stopping by your public schools and asking to speak to the principal and saying, hey, if you ever need me, uh, you know, we're grateful, we're thankful for you. And just communicating that love and that appreciation and just communicating the love of Christ. Communicate the gospel. Let the gospel shine through your life. And then as God brings opportunities, use that to communicate the gospel to your community. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Is there any last words you have for us before we go? Just get involved. Just do it. Amen. Just get involved. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us for the podcast today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It's been a great conversation with uh, Tim Schmig on the church and local government. What does it look like to be a church and be involved in local government or be a Christian and involved in local government? This has just been a great conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Hey, if you enjoyed the uh, conversation today, today, if you could uh, take an opportunity and jump online and rate and review the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you know someone that could benefit from this episode, make sure to share it with them. And uh, if you have any ideas for topics or guests you'd like us to have on in the future, make sure you contact me through the website and uh, contact me <laughs> through my email, benwhite at ministryminds.co or through the website, ministryminds.co. And once again, this is the Ministry Minds Podcast. Look forward to seeing you here again next time. Peace. Peace.